stories from around the corner and around the country. You're listening to All the Best. Proudly supported by the Art Gallery of New South Wales. You're listening to All the Best from FBI Radio 94.5. I'm Madhura Prakash. Before we get into this week's stories, I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge that I'm recording from stolen Gadigal land and pay my respect to Gadigal elders past and present and also recognise that the area where FBI Radio is situated, Redfern, has long been a place of storytelling, strength, resistance and resilience for First Nations communities. This week, we're bringing you untold stories from 2023 and New Year's reflections from 2024. On December 14th, All the Best set up an audio storytelling installation at the Powerhouse Museum's after-hours event, Powerhouse Late. We invited attendees to take the mic and share the things they'll never forget from 2023 and their hopes and aspirations for 2024. We loved hearing your stories. The poignant, the wild and the inspirational. For me, 2023 brought a lot of new experiences. Many of these were amazing opportunities to learn and grow, like starting to host All the Best. I hope this show has injected as much joy into your year as it has mine. Now, on to our stories. First up, Nat shares how a medical diagnosis that left them feeling a bit lost led to the discovery of a new passion. The recordings took place in the museum halls, so you'll hear a bit of background noise from the DJs and crowds filling the space. Um, well, I am here in Sydney, existing in a physical place. I came here to travel on my term off from university. I had a term off from school because in the middle of my second semester, my first year at university, I started developing um, aches and pains all over my body. I currently have a diagnosis of fibromyalgia, which is a chronic pain condition in which there's, um, it's theorized that it's some sort of neurological pain processing disorder. So there isn't necessarily anything physically wrong with me, it's just the way that my body interprets pain. Sometime in maybe September, I was in Thailand. I was getting, um, trying to get my condition diagnosed. And I started this show called Good Omens, which stars David Tennant and Michael Sheen. And <laughs> you know, you know. I don't know why it's this one show. I've watched a lot of things in the past, but it's this one show, this one character, Crowley and David Tennant, and the way that he acted, this character, that just really struck a chord with me. I don't know what it was. It was almost everything about this character, the way they dressed, the way they acted. I started watching more of his stuff. I watched his Hamlet, his performance in Much Ado About Nothing. I started like buying <laughs> books on Shakespeare. I started buying Shakespearean books and I started just, I would just read the lines out loud to myself in my room. It allowed me to have fun in a way that I haven't been able to for like the past year or two. So right now, I guess, I'm just wondering if that's, this is something I should pursue. If this is something I can pursue, especially with everything I've got going on right now. 
Um, whether it's something that my parents would approve of, but whether it's something I can would be able that would be able to financially sustain me, you know, all these worries, all these troubles. But you know, I'm trying to figure it out, and hopefully one day I will. We're keen for Nat's theatrical debut in 2024. Next up, Elise shares a roller coaster ride of events from her 2023 travels. Okay, so I would like to talk about my story hiking the Inca Trail um, to Machu Picchu in Peru, um, which was a great time, but maybe not at first. <laughs> so on the flight, flight to Cusco, um, my friend and I we saw this really attractive stranger lining up in the way to get onto the plane. We started talking to him. He's like, oh, I'm going to Cusco. We're like, oh, yeah. We started talking. He's a lawyer in London, so we have, you know, similar interests, whatever. Get on the plane, don't think I'm going to see him again. Then I go, we go to our hostel. We're doing the hike that like, we could do our meeting for the hike. We're starting the meeting at, like, we're supposed to meet our hike guide at 5.30 a.m. the next day. So we're like, okay, cool. It's going to be a great hike. It's like a five-day hike. Um, we end up going to the bar at the hostel and having a chat, having a few drinks, end up having a really big night um, and getting back to the hostel at 4 a.m. when we're supposed to meet our hostel, our guide at 5. Uh, we end up sleeping through all our alarms and our guide has to literally wake us up. So then I'm like, oh, this is so bad. I'm feeling like the sickest I've ever been in my life. And then we, um, and then we get on the bus to bus to the start of the hike. I end up uh, vomiting like really bad on the hike. It was disgusting, very chunky, um, and then, like all over the bus. And this is like with the people that we're never now going to spend the next five days with. I feel awful. I tip the bus driver so much money because I feel so terrible about it. Um, and then for the next few days of the hike, like I think it wasn't just being hungover or being sick. Like I think I had altitude sickness because I just couldn't contain any food at all. Um, God did tell us, Frank, he was like, oh, you know what? I didn't have much faith in you guys at the start, <laughs> considering you literally had to wake us up and carry our packs for us. But by the end, we had won him over. We were actually the first ones to get to the sunset gate that day out of the, you know, 50 or so hikers who were on the track that day. We got up at like 3 a.m. in the morning on the day, on the last day and, you know, ran, literally ran because the gate's open and then you have to run to get to like, to get to the spot, which is like a few Ks in. Um, but yeah, we were the first ones there. So we did well in the end. <laughs> got back to the hostel after those five days and guess who walks in? The guy I met at the airplane on the airplane and then we spend another two beautiful days together and have a bit of a holiday romance. So it ended up all good, even if it wasn't good at the start. That was Nat and Elise sharing their untold tales of 2023. Next up, we look to the new year, starting with Marie's plans for a birthday holiday. 2024 will be a milestone birthday for me. Uh, not a zero birthday, but a five birthday. Um, I've always wanted to take a trip on the world's most famous train, 
which is the Orient Express, um, and had been planning to do it for this birthday. Uh, but I found out they don't um, accommodate solo travellers. You actually have to pay for the whole uh, suite, if you like, um, which means you end up paying double. And for that price, I'd rather fly in the pointy end of an aeroplane. So the, the plans for that have kind of fallen by the wayside. So I, when I was thinking about it, I thought, oh, well, I'll just do the next best thing. Um, I've travelled in the past but never through the Middle East. So I thought, okay, if I want to do something in Europe, I'll go the other way. So I thought I might first stop in Dubai um, and maybe a couple of nights there and then go on to Venice after that, which is where the uh, uh, Orient Express trip would have ended. I had planned to do... London to Venice. So maybe after Dubai, I'll go to Venice and be there for a few days and stay at the Hotel Cipriani. It's actually owned by the people that own the Orient Express. It's one of those gorgeous European sit on the terrace and have cocktails and breakfast. Oh, not have cocktails for breakfast, but I suppose you could, um, <laughs> type of hotels. Um, but it's it it sort of would have been that perfect, you know, get off the Orient Express in Venice and say Hotel Cipriani, get in the gondola or the speedboat and arrive at the hotel. It was sort of this picture I had, but without having a sugar, da sugar daddy, I have to kind of rearrange my plans a bit. And I've been to London a couple of times, but only for a few days at a time. And in the past few years, through my work, I've sort of come across museums and libraries and things like that about in London. And I thought, oh, I'd like to spend some more time, like the V&A and the British Museum and have dinner at the Savoy and tea at the Ritz and all those things that or, or all the money I didn't spend on the Orange Express, I guess I can spend at the Savoy instead. Then somehow I want to get up to Edinburgh. I want to take a trip around Scotland because I've never been to that part of the world at all. And even though Glasgow and Edinburgh are only an hour away from each other, the trip around Scotland actually takes nine days and you loop all the way up to the top of Scotland and come all the way back down again. Maybe I've just watched too many ABC detective stories, you know, Shetland and so on. But it's, anyway, it's part of something I've, I've always wanted to see. Then I have um, uh, a friend that lives in the US and um, he's a bit of a nomad and at the moment he's living in Rhode Island and he's not sure where he'll be next year. So wherever he is, I'll go visit him. And then San Francisco, because I lived there, well, 25 years ago, I lived there for eight years. So it's a sort of round the world, sort of hop to celebrate a milestone birthday. Marie's plans sound amazing. We hope she gets her dream trip. The end of a year is also a time for reflections and ruminations. Trey and Theo both shared their aspirations through rhyming letters addressed to their future selves. All the best executive producer Phoebe asked these creatives to share the processes behind their New Year's reflections. Well, I actually wanted to share 
a poem I wrote as I wrote as I walked in here, but I thought I'd give a bit of back to, I guess, this year has been a big self-development year for me. I took out the trash, I'll say, and got my life together. And I think a big part of that has been connecting to my creativity and doing a lot more writing, doing a lot more art, and it's paid off. It's, yeah, it's been really beautiful. So, yeah, it's a, it's a short little piece, but I thought it was a little bit fun. And it goes like this. I look hot and I look slay. That isn't something that you can just pay. For with all of your money that shall be left spent on trying to capture the time and how it went and trying to keep up with the youth of your birth, it just comes from knowing all of your self-worth. Open your eyes, look up to just see, there is something so sexy about just letting it be. Yes, so it's Thelma, um, but people know me as Trey, and originally from Fiji, um, but grew up in Western Sydney, Fijian Samoan background. So I chose um, one year from today writing a letter to self, which I think is great. Kickstart to um, thinking about the end of the year and prepping for the next year. But um, it goes one year from today. So today's the 14th of the 12th, 2023. Dear Trey, I hope you get to achieve your goals for 2024. But most importantly, I pray that you get to settle the score. But don't let it be about numbers, ROIs and KPIs. Remember, it's about your story, your communities and your why. And giving time to reconnect and reflect on your loves and likes. Time for pause and to realign. I hope your 2024 has given you more of what you love who you love and adore and what needs to be opened is done and like doors are closed and, and closed like doors. Yeah, the last one was supposed to rhyme. <laughs> I can't believe that you put that together just now. It just flowed. And um, do you do poetry? Yes, poetry writing. And I do this thing when I want to create, I kind of have my book out and I just do a full page of freestyle writing. And it's a good kind of, you know, journaling. It's called journaling as well. And they say that um, a lot of health practitioners, you know, encourage it as well as a, a method of getting stuff out. And then as a creative, I do that a lot when I'm trying to focus on a project or an idea. Just like, what do I want to write? Why is it raining? Why is it so hot? And then I just let it flow. And so I've been doing that for years and that helps me when I need to focus on something. They do say that journaling is like a muscle. Um, like I could tell immediately that it's something that you must be practicing in some form because it just flowed so beautifully. Um, yeah, I really admire that you've been able to practice that. I that that would be for me one of the things that I want to practice next year. Yeah, and I think you know it'll, it'll help everyone. And then you know we get ideas out of that for whatever we're working on. And then we go to work or go to school or go on our day a lot more clearer and focused because we've cleared a lot of that chatter, the mental chatter, so we can focus. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. 
that was Theo and Trey sharing their intentions for 2024. Powerhouse Late curates a wonderfully diverse mix of artists and performers. Our final powerhouse storyteller is one of those creatives, Ying. Her beautiful poem, Bloom, invites us to reflect on our relationship to the environment during a time of climate anxiety. My name's Ying Chin. Um, I am a poet and a musician. Um, so I play the harp and the piano and the violin. Um, I have very excitingly in my practice recently been combining those, um, those two loves of mine, poetry and music. Um, so like, you know, um, coming up with accompaniments on the harp and like speaking while I play, which has taken a lot of coordination. So I guess I'm really in a very like, like a emergent experimental space with my practice and just really loving um, having these opportunities like the one today um, at the Powerhouse Museum. So this was um, a beautiful event that um, was in collaboration with Bankstown Poetry Slam and Powerhouse Museum's 100 Climate Conversations um, series, which you can find on Spotify. Um, and we were invited to, um, to write a poem in response to 100 Climate Conversations. So whether that was, you know, in, in response to a specific episode or just generally on the themes of climate change, um, environmentalism. Soft plastic blooms in bags under my kitchen sink. Blooms like shame under my skin. Blooms like seed in this womb of earth births microplastics and micro-memories, small fragments of remembering. A time when we were flowers and we picked only what we needed. A time when we didn't greenwash. We were only awash in green, drenched in dappled sunlight, quenched by sugarcane sweetness. A time when we didn't have to capitalise, call you national park, call you state forest, to stop ourselves from capitalising upon you. I stand unwilling at this altar of plastic. I think about landfill and my heart fills with the feeling that we never grew up. We are kids shoving everything into our closets and slamming doors shut, declaring our rooms clean. We have turned the earth into a hoarder, but not of its own accord. We offer the Paris Accord, but we cannot afford to rely on law. We need more. In the absence of a circular economy, I have turned myself into one. Where desire feeds consumption, feeds desire, feeds consumption, all these cycles. Yet I can't work out what to recycle. So I recycle my anxiety. I wonder, when will we realise that everything sacred is circular? When will we realise that carbon offsets only offset our guilt? When will we realise that we are the me in methane? 
When will we step outside the greenhouse of our egos and go into the forest? For it is here that we will take our shoes off. Our socks too. We will bear our skin to bear our souls. We will remember and we will carry it together. That was Ying with her poem, Bloom. It's been a huge year at All The Best. We've had so much fun attending events and meeting poets, musicians, dramatists, new story makers and practice storytellers. This show is made possible by volunteers who dedicate their time and talents to making and distributing the show each week. We want to say a huge thank you to Isabella Lee, our social media manager, and Patrick McKenzie, our community coordinator. Our last story is from Patrick, who shared his New Year's ritual. So I'm, my name's Patrick, um, and the story I want to tell is about a New Year's ritual that I invest a lot of emotional energy and hope into every single year. This story involves a television program that I watch every single year on, on the ABC specifically. At the end of the fireworks, at about maybe 10 minutes past midnight, the year's first iteration of the music video program, Rage, starts. And I remember the first year that there was a lockdown imposed over New Year's was when this ritual began. So it's recent, but I, I feel very strongly about it. Um, I was at home with my, my partner at the time, and we just finished watching a movie. I think we watched uh, Don't Look Up, the quite, quite depressing climate apocalypse film. So we'd watch Don't Look Up, and then we switched on the fireworks. And immediately after that, uh, Rage came on, and the first song was Murder on the Dance Floor by Sophie Ellis, Ellis Bexter. And it was so beautiful. I think the feeling of those first moments on January 1st, not to over-romanticize it. It can be so cathartic, it can be so freeing, and I think that song just epitomizes it. So I've, I've made sure for the, the two years since to always have Rage on. Make, make sure that, you know, Rage is on the TV and that the first song that plays will characterize my mood for the year to come. So last New Year's Eve, I was at a friend's place and, you know, everyone was, was drunk or, or otherwise and the fireworks finished and I was insistent that we keep the TV on to watch Rage and I'd sort of pulled all this hope together. I remember another year, the first song had been I'm Still Standing by Elton John, which felt, you know, contextually very appropriate. Um, and I was a little bit disappointed to find the first song of the year to be Uptown Funk by Bruno Mars and Mark Ronson, which, you know, nothing nothing wrong with Uptown Funk, I suppose, but this kind of, you know, funk pastiche song, while, while upbeat, kind of didn't give that the energy that I hoped it would. Um, so I think the, the advice that I could give myself last New Year's Eve would be try not to get too overly invested in what the first Rage song will be because there'll be there, there are better songs to come. 
I think part of me deep down just wants it to be murder on the dance floor again. Um, I think that's kind of the best option and everything else lives in its shadow. But with that said, kind of from a similar era, I would love um, the first song from next year to be In a Smile by Texas. If anyone's familiar with Bend It Like Beckham, they'll they'll know that song. Because it, it has a similar kind of early to mid-2000s nostalgia that's that's emotional but hopeful it's it's deep while still sounding poppy and you can you can cry to it but you can also you know dance to it All the best would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands on which we make these stories and pay our respects to elders past and present. All the best is made at FBI Radio on Gadigal Land in association with SIN and 3RRR on Wurundjeri Woiwurrung and Boonwurrung lands and 8CCC on Arunde and Waramungu lands. The All the Best editorial manager is Mel Chun and Phoebe Adler-Ryan is our production manager. Our social media producer is Isabella Lee. Patrick McKenzie is our community coordinator. Shining Bird composed our theme music, and Annie Hamilton designed the artwork. We're heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network, and were made possible by the Art Gallery of New South Wales and the Community Broadcasting Foundation. You can find our full archive of more than 500 episodes at allthebestradio.com. I'm Madhura Prakash. Thanks for listening.